Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pochettino out. Mourinho in. Daniel Levy has taken decisive action to turn around Tottenham's poor start to the season. The Champions League final back in June, now just a distant memory. There were less than 12 hours between the announcements of Pochettino being sacked and Jose replacing him. Spurs not wasting any time. But have they got the right man? Mourinho generally has an immediate positive impact wherever he goes. And with two-thirds of the season to go, 11 points off the Champions League places might not seem that much. Pochettino was loved at Tottenham, but he leaves the club having failed to win a trophy. Jose has a proven track record of delivering silverware. And he's not shy about reminding people. You know what this means? Three nil. But also means three premierships. And I won more premierships alone than the other 19 managers together. Three for me and two for them. Respect. Respect. Despite Harry Kane and Deli Alley paying tribute to Pochettino, rumours were growing of unrest within the Spurs squad. And Daniel Levy says Mourinho will bring energy and belief to the dressing room. But disharmony within the dressing room at Old Trafford was a recurring theme during Mourinho's time at Manchester United. His relationship with star players like Paul Pogba under intense scrutiny. Only truth is that I made the decision of uh, Paul not to be the second captain anymore. Transfer funds now will be key. Mourinho has spent big in the past and has been unhappy when he felt he wasn't backed by the board. Probably football managers should be called now more um, head coaches. Pochettino also spoke out about not having enough money to spend, but he generally just had to deal with it at Tottenham. Maybe the club need to change my title description now, you know because my job now is to coach the, the team. Finally, maybe most importantly, he may have to win over some of the fans. Tottenham have been here before, of course, when they appointed Arsenal legend George Graham as manager. Now they've chosen someone who became a superstar at another one of their bitter rivals. Chelsea supporters appeared to tolerate his move to Old Trafford, but this may just be a little too much for them. Could I celebrate like crazy? My team goal at Stamford Bridge or my team victory at Stamford Bridge? I don't think so. I think I would try always to control myself and um, 
to respect the stadium and to respect uh, the supporters that were uh, my supporters and my stadium for many, for many years. Unlike Pochettino, George Graham won a trophy during his time at Spurs. If Mourinho can deliver success, then that may be all that matters. I just want to do the paperwork and get all that done. And... It's literally two seconds for Daniel to sign, so. We'll do it here. Yeah? Morning, morning, boy. Morning, morning. Master paste. 45 pages. Yeah, the 45 page book. Yeah. We did well to keep it quiet, didn't we? Yeah, really good. Really that good. is not an easy job. Yeah, yeah. There are, in my mind, two top, top coaches in the world. Uh, one of them is at another Premier League club. Um, and the other one is Jose. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. It's like a wedding. <laughs> Jose Mourinho has won 25 trophies in his career. But he's been sacked from his last two jobs in the Premier League. said that people have perceptions of you. What do they say? The guy never smiles. The guy is ruthless. Uh, I think this is, uh, this is a perception. <laughs> and what's the truth? The truth is that there is some truth on it. <laughs> there is some truth on it. But at the same time, I can be also, also very, very different when I feel in my, in my intimacy, in my in my close circles, and my close circles are my friends, my family, my club. For the first time in five and a half years, the players are reporting for work under a new manager. I always say I am only difficult for the ones that don't share my principles. After the guys? It's not give 75% of you, give, give 95% of you all in, you must give 100%. So the people that shares this, these principles with me, no problems at all. I couldn't be happier, and if I was not as happy as I am, I wouldn't be here. What can I promise? Passion for my job, but also passion for my club. It's a privilege when a manager goes to a club and, uh, and feels you know, that happiness in relation to the squad that he's going to have. These are not words of the moment. They are not words of me being the Tottenham head coach. These are words that I, I told and I repeated in the last three, four or five years, even as an, as an opponent. To play uh, against Tottenham at White Hart Lane was always hard but beautiful. It's one of these places where I used to go with passion but also with this with this respect, I always told about the club potential, I always told about the qualities of the players, I always told the magnificent work the club was doing. I really like this squad. 
and looking to, to the young players. Um, there is not one manager in the world that doesn't like to play young players and to help young players to develop. There is not one. The problem is that sometimes you get into clubs where the work that is below you is not good enough to produce these players. So I look to our history and, uh, and you see that um, the academy is always giving the talents that the first team needs. And of course, I look also forward to, to work with that, with that profile. When you say beautiful stadium, you are too humble. You have to say the best stadium in the world. I think it's a reality. Training ground is second to none. Probably can be only compared with some American football training grounds. You cannot compare with, with European football at any level. And I've been in the majority of the best places. Uh, impossible to compare the same as the stadium. I think it's something that has to make, all, to make us all very, very proud. But not just that. It's just the conditions you have to, to, to work are absolutely amazing. In relation to the Premier League, I think um, we know where we are and we know that we don't belong there. We should just play match after match. The next match, we want to win. And that's the same about the next and the next and the next until the last. End of season, we will see where, uh, where we are. But I know that we are going to be in a different position than we are now. I look forward for the challenge, for the responsibility to bring happiness to everyone that loves the club. Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping safe and well out there. Here we are, we're back during this international break, bringing you a very special show. Before I start, just to say, if you found us for the very first time, we're on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. We're on Facebook and Instagram too. You can find us on Audioboom, we're on Spotify, we're on every major audio platform. We are here... Yes, the day, a year later, a year in, Jose Munoz's time at Tottenham Hotspur. Been a crazy whirlwind 12 months. So much has happened. I've got our wonderful panel here and I'm a very special guest looking back on the previous 12 months and what has been a whirlwind for Tottenham Hotspur. Tonight to have alongside me, I've got the crazy train instructor, Lee McQueen's in the house. Lee, how are you? Yeah, crazy, mate. Absolutely crazy. And in this international break, what a wonderful fitting, um, uh, fitting in another podcast with superb guests as usual and uh, waxing lyrical, I think we might be, over, over Jose Mourinho, Rick. Which I don't think I've said that before, to be fair. Crazy. <laughs> what 12 months does to us as fans. Crazy like train, mate. What we've been through. Like I say, crazy train it's been. Also pleased to welcome back on the show our transfer guru. It's coming on very, very soon, Jay. This transfer window's opening soon. Jamie from the Daily Hotspurs here. Jay, how are you? Yeah, really good, Ricky. And yeah, looking forward for this one because I think it's obviously been a crazy year under Jose Mourinho. Um, I've personally really enjoyed it. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to speaking about it today. Brilliant. Just for reference, obviously, I say transfer window opening soon, four to six weeks. I know many people are thinking it's opening next week. No, it is four to six weeks. But, you know, we always get very excited when we're getting close to another transfer window opening the Spurs. Not that we need extra players. We're only going to sign six, seven so far from the summer. Please to welcome to the last one on Spurs. Been a while. Delighted to have him back. The voice of Tottenham Hotspur. Paul Coit joins us. Paul, how are you? I'm very well. How are you, boys? All good? Good, good. Brilliant, Paul. mate. Very Brilliant. good. Delighted to have you on alongside yeah, us here, Paul. Very special Listen, show. Oh, lovely to be here. Thanks for asking me. I always appreciate that. You're a diamond, Paul. I've got nothing else to do, you see, most of the time. So just to be asked to do anything is always good. <laughs> That's a love lie. It. I I'm loving the fact we're going to have your dulcet tones for an hour. <laughs> Perfect. Guys, what a crazy 12 months we find ourselves in. Sacking Pochettino, 
Mourinho coming in, an Amazon documentary phone in there, crazy summer transfer window. Just so much has happened in these past 12 months. And sure, Paul, let's start with you. You're yep. the guest on this show. Delighted to have you back on with us since Jose Mourinho was appointed as the Tottenham Hotspur head coach, yep. coming just 11 hours after the sacking of Maurizio Pochettino. And it was one of the most attention-grabbing appointments in Premier League history. Let me take you back, Paul, 12 months ago. What was your emotions? What was your feelings? What was that like for you at that time? Well, well it was tricky because obviously I've got, I've got the morning show on, on TalkSport too, so I've got to go in there. And often it's a worry because if anything happens around Spurs that is not good, it's always un- uncomfortable for me. Obviously, I've got to try and be sort of straight down the line when it comes to this sort of stuff. But you, you know me, I can't. So oh, as, soon as, the, um, as soon as the Pochettino sacking happened, now I don't know about you, but the first thing... It was almost, oh God, I know this sounds awful, but it's almost like it's a, it's a relative that is a you know that, that is very unwell and is coming to the end of their days, and you know it's coming. Or, or let's say a pet, shall we? Should we just make it try and make it sound a bit more like that? And, and you're sitting there, you know it's coming, and you're sort of preparing yourself for it. But when it happened, I don't know about you. I remember seeing that that Pochettino were gone. It was almost like that kick in the stomach that thought it's over. I can't believe it's actually over. I was one of the people thinking. I think it's probably the best thing that's going to happen, but it really was a, a kick in the in, in the stomach when it happened. And then that was on, that was the evening. Then I went into work the next morning, and I'm thinking, right, okay, I've got to be, you know, I've got to talk about this and Pochettino. I can't be too pro, you know, Maurizio, and uh, obviously we've got to think of the club. And then the Mourinho thing came, which was, I mean, let's face it, it was it was the timing was was perfect, wasn't it? So it was all tied up very nicely. So it gives us enough time to to try and digest the fact that Maurizio's gone, and then just as we're dealing with it, then in comes uh, in comes the new man. Which I know a lot of people are like, oh no, this is not right. But I think now, twelve months on, we can all sit back and think, you know what, this was the right thing to do, don't you? Crazy, isn't it, Paul? Isn't it? 12 months on, totally. our thoughts and you know, feelings about stuff that happened around that time. I mean, Lee, just to kind of take you back 12 months. Of course, Maurizio Pochettino was sacked by Tottenham after five years in charge of the football club. Pochettino guided Tottenham to the League Cup final in his first full season, while two third-place finishes sandwiched in between Arana's up spot in the Premier League in 2017. Spurs did also go on to have a place in the Champions League final and, of course, four consecutive seasons in the Champions League. Along with that, he had... 18 months to contend with of playing at Wembley while the club's new ground was being built. And despite links to Manchester United and Real Madrid, he had the creation of a team, a system and a way of playing that at times had been thrilling to watch. But the key metrics, of course, Pochettino, he managed this all on a budget of just 95 million net on transfers, 17th among current Premier League clubs of being spent. And like I say, he warned us very, very early on that there would be a painful rebuild. I don't know about the pet, but it was definitely like a, you know, like a brother-in-law or like a, you know, an uncle or something. I completely agree with Paul. You know, it felt like somebody, a relative had passed. And I Have you never had pets, Lee, by the way? Have you ever, ever had a pet? Yeah, yeah. I've had, I've had oh, pets, but... Did you not think much of, you, of, of the pet? Oh. <laughs> Depends. They're not, they're only fish, mate. Oh, okay. See, there you go. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay. I just wondered to... <laughs> No, so um, you know, I've still got a cat, but he's still with us. So that's uh, okay. That's good. good. So that's but no, fair. I did. No, I did feel. You know, it was. Um, it was. It was an incredible kind of time. 
you know, I kept saying to on the pods, we did an emergency pod. I kept saying as well, I kept saying to you guys, the WhatsApp groups, to, to my buddies, the season ticket holders, um, we, we can't get rid of him. You know, I, I think it was a week before, wasn't it, or 10 days before, we had the Sheffield United game. We drew 1 1. I think from memory, we're very fortunate as well. I think Kane was a shadow of himself that game. If I remember, he wasn't even kind of, didn't feel like he was running. And it did feel like Paul said, it did feel like something was going to change. Uh, we were still doing the um, the the, sh- the shows before, like two shows a week, I think we were doing at the time. And we were saying on the Thursday nights, you know, maybe something's going to happen. And we were split, weren't we, Rick? You know, between the between was, the last one on Spurs, we were split, you know, yeah. keeping more. And when the news put, I was absolutely gutted. I'm not going to lie. I, I did shed a tear. And there's no doubt about it. I was, I was gutted because after all of what happened, that emotion, just want to take everybody back to that game, uh, uh, you know, the semi-final Ajax, it was uncontrollable, absolutely uncontrollable emotion. You know, from him, from the players, from us, from the fans, from everyone connected with the club, you know, to, to, to actually have their memories, you know, that stuff don't happen to Tottenham Hotspur. It doesn't happen. And it was happening. It was real. It was happening. And then to, to, to lose him, I remember the, I remember a few months before that, you know, when Manchester United would come sniffing around or by all accounts and we, we were saying, oh, please don't play. And then he signed a new contract and we think, you know, we've got him for the long term. And don't, don't forget, I think he was the, I might be wrong on the stats, but I think he was the third, certainly in the top five longest serving managers, um, you know, Premier League. Right. You know, yeah, you've got was, Sir Alex yeah. Ferguson, you've got Arsene Wenger. And I think Poch was not that far behind in terms of length of time, served maybe David Moyes at Everton or something. So, it was a massive change for us in hindsight. Um, you know, probably now where we are and what we've done, you, you probably say it was the right decision. I just hope one day, and I do generally still hope this, one day, Poch returns. I mean, Pochettino warned us for quite a while that this was going to be a real serious, painful rebuild for Tottenham. That was always being echoed by Pochettino in the build-up to his departure. You know, we had numerous weeks on the Love Sports shows where we sat there and discussed the futures of Ericsson, Vertonghen, Alderweireld, Danny Rose, Sir Jury and Victor Wanyama, who had all been linked with exits. You know, Lee labelled them the contract rebels. You know, we had this discussion on a weekly basis just in terms of how much strain that was putting on a real dressing room divide. And, you know, we did see form really tail off, of course. We had that 3-1 defeat to Leicester City on the February the 10th. Spurs had won just six of their 24 Premier League matches who were 14th in the table. And of course, we were knocked out of the League Cup by League 2 Colchester, hammered at home 7-2 by Bayern Munich. Then obviously we had the news. Pochettino out, Mourinho in. First reactions, Jamie, of that appointment, Jose Mourinho coming through the door as Tottenham Hotspur head coach. It was obviously a very, very bizarre kind of 24 hours or so. Um, But look, I I think on Maurizio, it kind of felt, it did feel like the right decision as much as I didn't want it to happen. I think Rio Ferdinand summed it up perfectly in the BT commentary after the Ajax game. He said it just creates a bomb between the fans, the players and the the manager as well. And and the kind of, there was real, that, that real bomb between us all. Um, and that's why it was it was gutting that he he ended up having to go. But you just felt as though obviously we had uh, title challenges. We obviously had the Champions League final, and so many times when we kept on falling, it does get very difficult to keep picking yourself up. And it it did feel as though that Champions League final was just one too far to try and pick us up from. So as much as I didn't want it to happen, I think that it was in the end the right decision. Um, and I've always I was kind of against Jose Mourinho at the time. Um, but I think it was kind of what Spurs needed in the end. Um, I think that Spurs, we're at that level now where we needed a guy in who wasn't going to be kind of like a project manager that was going to be able to go and deliver trophies. You know, you see everything, all the infrastructure we've got in place. We've got the, a good squad in place, obviously the training grounds, 
the stadium. We just needed the manager now. And I think that Jose Mourinho, given his um, CV, I think that he was the right manager. And, um, you know, 12 months on it, it looks as though it probably was the right decision. Jay, one of my memories of you is I'll never forget how gutted you was the night we sacked him, but I've never seen someone change their phone screensaver yeah. so quick from Pochettino to I, Jose Mourinho in the space of two I, I had I had a bizarre, I mean, I, I was due to go on one of the Love Sports shows for a preview for the West Ham game and yeah. literally 10 minutes before I'm about to go on, I'm preparing myself, I'm getting ready to speak about West Ham versus Tottenham. Then Chris, Chris Cowlin sends her a WhatsApp saying that Richie Pochettino has been sacked and I'm at, because I was so connected to him, yeah. I was absolutely in bits. And um, I went on the radio and um, after I had all my mates messaging me saying, are you all, are you okay? Because I just sounded a complete wreck and it was, um, yeah, I was, it was a very difficult time, but you know, I quickly got in behind the manager because I, I think that's just the way I am. Um, you know, just a positive supporter. So um, I did. I did. Uh, twenty-four hours later, despite saying that I didn't want him, I did set him as my background. Twenty-four hours on. Paul, so Jose yep. Mourinho, the arrival of the man. Now he came in on a basic salary of eight million a year after tax. He moved very quickly <laughs> to appoint his backroom staff. We have Jao Sacramento, Nuno Santos joining in from Lille. Sacramento will be the assistant, as we knew. And Santos becoming the new goalkeeper coach. I mean, Paul, the whirlwind for you, you know, yes. being someone that's so connected to the club, 11 hour difference. You know, you're on a plane going into Australia, you would yeah, have got yeah. on that plane with Pochettino sure. leaving and then arriving Jose Mourinho. I mean, how do you sum up that crazy, chaotic 11 hour turnaround? I, you know what, and, and this is not through any inside knowledge, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be him. I just had a feeling, and, and, and I known that. He'd, he'd been on before. He's, he's never spoken ill of Spurs. And I've always noticed that over the years um, when he was at Chelsea and everybody he'd slag off, you'd never get him having a go at Spurs. Of course, everybody else loves to, but he never did. So when there was the, we had the Legends game uh, at the opening of the new stadium, that was the first game that came along. Do you remember that Jose was assistant manager of Inter Milan? Yep, yep. Assistant manager. So... I thought, oh, that's interesting. So there he was, and it was half time. They'd all gone in, and I'd just done, I think, it was, I can't remember. I think it was um, Jürgen Klinsmann, I'd interviewed at half time, went into the, the tunnel, and there was Jose. And I'd never been a huge fan. I'll be honest, I'd never been a huge fan of, of how he was. So I thought, oh, sorry, I'll go and have a chat with him because he was just standing there. So I thought, I'll just go over and speak to him. So this was before we'd got to the semi final of um, the Champions League. And I just went over to him and said, uh, so what do you think of this place then? It's pretty good, isn't it? And then he started chatting and it was just like, blimey. And, it, and, and I was thinking, I'm in a conversation with Joseph. It's like a proper conversation. And then he starts going on about, he said, you know what? I think you're going to win the Champions League this year. And I went, oh, God. it was before we played Man City. I remember it was just before then. He said, I think you'll turn them over. And he said, and I'll tell you what reminds me, this reminds me of when I was at Porto because we just had a new stadium built and, uh, and there was there was worry about you know about what was going on and fans sometimes can turn and you know and I don't know whether it was a little prophecy of what was going to happen. And he said that uh, and it's a stadium like this that will bring everybody on board and everybody will get together and you know trust me I I really think you'll beat Man City. I said really? He said yeah I think you'll beat Man City and you got a great chance to win the Champions League. So it was at this point I'm thinking this is incredible. But then you know how this happens where well, you've probably all had this where you start talking to someone and then someone else gets wind and they join in and you think hold on you know 
piss off. It's my conversation. What are you doing? So then a few people joined in and then more people going, oh, oh, Jose, what do you think about this? And then I kind of disappeared and I thought this was my conversation. But the conversation I had, it was, you know, and, and I remember I was sort of Clive Allen about it. And he said, when he sat down in the seat and he sat down in the manager's seat, he signed across his arms and he looked around and he sort of looked around and you could see there was a, yeah, I like the look of this. I think I like it. Look at this. So whether anything was done there or it was done afterwards, but there was certainly a, a seed that was sown in his mind, definitely when he was there, because you could see it. And, uh, and and you could see it was a gig that he wanted. Maybe, Paul, you kind of forced his hand and made this happen. I think you maybe remember back to that conversation. I think, I think, Rick, I think that's right. I think what we're coming to is I was the one that did the deal, you know? <laughs> the other ones came in and nearly ruined the deal, but I was the one that did it in the first place. There you go. Paul planting the seed. <laughs> that's right. This man here 12 months later. Honestly, quite incredible. Well, listen, I mean, this is a man coming around to you, Lee, that he won everything. You know, he won three Premier League titles, 2005, 6 and 15, as well as one FA Cup in two spells at Chelsea. You know, having taken up at Man United in 2016, he won the Europa League and the Carabao Cup, 25 senior trophies. You know, no offence to Pochettino, it's in stark contrast to his career where he's a man that's still trying to search for that winning pedigree. And listen, maybe one day he'll get there. But he took over a side at that point, Lee. Spurs, without a win in their past five games and slipped to 14th in the Premier League, 20 yeah. points behind Liverpool after just 12 matches. You know, what was your thoughts on his appointment and what did you have as the kind of aims for that 29-20 season? Thank goodness to all the listeners and all the Spurs fans around the world that I'm not the chairman. Because, um, you know, that, that would be an absolute disaster. I, I didn't agree with the chairman's decision, Zach Poch. But like Jamie, it's the chairman's decision. It's happened. We've now got Jose Mourinho. And you back the manager, right? So that's what you've got to do. Look, he is a serial winner. Like, there's, there's no doubt about it. You've just said it yourself. I mean, his, his Premier League record against, you know, any, against all the teams or the teams that he's played, um, managed, sorry, is ridiculous. He's played 339 matches in total and he's only lost 53 games. That's a fifth, that's a, a loss rate, if you like, a 15% of all games that you've ever played in the Premier League. That's absolutely ridiculous. The coming into the to the side at that time, I think that, you know, we've said it so many times on the show. We've got absolutely everything going for this football club. You know, we've got the world-class stadium, world-class training facilities, world-class players. I mean, you know, we've got a world-class player in Humin Son, who is the captain of his national team. We've got a world-class player in Harry Kane, who is the captain of his national team. We've got a world-class player and World Cup winner, who is the captain of his uh, international team, in you know, Lloris as well. You know, we've got, we've got captains everywhere, all over the pitch, you know, Hoiber and the likes, or if he, if he ain't got the armband, he, you know, he, he's probably got the invisible one. You know what I mean? So absolutely everything going for us. And and we got to the Champions League semi, we got to the Champions League final, like all of the, the them cup runs. And we just never, ever got over the line. And it was bloody coin that phrase, Spurs, your typical Spurs. And I'm fed up with it. And, you know, now we have got a serial winner who is, is coming to the football club. And in the 15 games, for example, uh, well, in, in fact, let me, let, me, let me just walk you back because you asked me when he first came in. The Premier League table started when Jose Mourinho took over the game. We'd be sitting third in the Premier League with 62 points, uh, just behind Liverpool and Man City. And when you think about that, that is that is an incredible um, stat. Uh, it doesn't mean anything. Start at about, oh, it don't mean nothing. We're not going to win anything. It's just a form guide. It's a, it's a change of fortune. We never won an away game for over 10 months before Jose come in. This season... Play four away in the Premier League. How many won, Rick? Four. 
Oh, right. Okay. 100% away <laughs> record. All right. We played 15 games this season, 15 games in all competitions. We've lost two, which one didn't really matter, but it was a, it was a situation where you know, we got a bit of a fire up, up the players' bums, if you like. Um, and the first game, we weren't fit enough. We, we took that for granted. But other than that, we've, we've lost two and drawn three, I suppose. Two, if you don't include the Chelsea penalty shootout, of course, which we won. So, you know, other, other than that, we're winning. If you take from Project Restart, Project Restart, 17 games played with the uh, the um, uh, all the other teams. Some of them have only played 16 games. We'll top the league with 35 points plus goal difference of 17. People are saying, oh, our defence is horrendous. We've got, I think, this is the third best defensive record in the Premier League. So my thoughts when he first came in were, this guy is going to make uh, the new White Hart Lane or Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, as I probably should call it, the fortress. I don't think we're losing match. This is what I was thinking. Like, there's no way we, we lost our first Premier League game <laughs> against them. How long was I? But I knew that Jose Mourinho. When you look at his stats, when you look at what he's done over his career, he always gets people playing solid, and that is probably the biggest change mentality change that we've needed that winning mentality side but also everybody expects us to play full flowing swashbuckling football and they have done for years and years and years um but the reality is is that we needed to have gone back to start stop conceding goals and start to be in solid and start getting some belief back into the team um and you know with the famous what is it called low block uh, for whatever we want to call it look i'm a spurs fan for like what for nearly 30 years, right? I don't I don't like that over 30 years or 35 years. I don't like that low block term and, and, and defensive football uh, as, as an ex-Tottenham fan. But if it gets us over the line, if it starts to drive us into the right way, we're always going to score goals with Son and Kane and Bale. So I just think that, you know, it's it's been a... Um, I think it's been a very, very good 12 months for Tottenham Hotspur in terms of that restart button. And uh, and, and on we go. I'm excited again. Uh, I'm passionate again. I love Poch and always will. But Joe's going to win trophies. And to coin a phrase from Chris Cowling, Chris, here's one for you. Trophies are coming. Now, we saw initial results were promising with three consecutive wins against West Ham, Olympiacos and Bournemouth before an away defeat at Old Trafford on the 4th of December. The next five games saw three wins and two defeats before a run of four games without a win ended in an FA Cup replay against Middlesbrough. During this time, Spurs did bolster their squad with Jensen Fernandes on an 18-month loan deal and Steven Bergvine's transfer from PSV also being over the line. Giovanni Lo got his move on a permanent basis to Tottenham and Christian Eriksen finally departed the club. The Middlesbrough win heralded a run of seven consecutive undefeated matches. Five wins, two draws, which saw Spurs have a real upturn in fortunes, but injuries to key players like Sissoko, Harry Kane, Steven Bergvine and Hummin Son really took their toll on Tottenham. And as we know, Spurs failed to win a game in the last six matches before football was played and suspended in a sequence which saw Spurs eliminated from the Champions League to Red Bull Leipzig and also eliminated from the FA Cup to Norwich. I think it's worth pointing out the point that for Tottenham, the final result of their 2019 was a labourish draw against basement side Norwich and it was a real difficult end to that season. And as we said, the fateful injuries to Sissoko, Steven Bergvine, Harry Kane and Hummin Son really did take their toll on the side. What was your thought going in to that suspension of football and how Mourinho had managed the team up until that point? I think first and foremost, I think people kind of get too tied up. They, I think a lot of people judged him very quickly and it's very difficult to kind of 
do that, he hadn't really had the opportunity to come in and really stamp his authority on this team. You know, four, four to five months just is not long enough. And um, I think, you know, it's good. it was always going to take him quite a while to kind of real, real get this team together. And look, he came in for a reason. He came in because the team wasn't performing, inherited a mess. So it was always going to take a good couple of, you know, a good couple of months at least, uh, if not a year, to kind of get things right. So, you know, you could start to see signs that some players were getting back to their best. You know, you saw Sun really performing really well. Um, you saw at times Deli Ali at the start, he was starting to perform again. Um, you had Alderweireld, who obviously came in, signed that new contract, and he looked to be given a lift. But it did, it kind of, um, it, it was that new real lift um, from the players. But, you know, there was still some worrying signs. But as I said, I think it was always about giving him that enough time. And you see he's had a transfer window now to kind of real kind of put his stamp on the team and um you know now a year on he, he looks to be kind of getting in the team into a place where um it's more of a Jose Mourinho team but it was always going to take him uh at least a year to kind of start getting things looking like a Jose Mourinho side. What was your thoughts Paul once that pandemic hit Tottenham as a football club from a football perspective what was your analysis of Mourinho's time up until that point was you still convinced that we've got the right man in charge here? Well, I've never been completely convinced. I don't think I've ever been convinced about anything with with Spurs over the years. You never know what you're going to get, do you? Sometimes, but but as far as um, uh, when he came in, there's always going to be that new manager bounce. I hate that phrase, but it's true. And no, no matter what club it is, new manager comes in, everybody's playing for their places. There's going to be something, and then it will start to even out. So you can't judge him on the rest of the season. I looked at that season and think, well, this is a man that's come in. You can even see from the documentary, I think what was interesting with the Amazon documentary, I know you want to cover it a bit later, but what was interesting for me is that the amount of people that are going, he thinks exactly the same as we do. There were different players, there's bits and pieces thinking, can he not see this? Can he not see this? And then during the documentary, whoever it be, you think, yeah, he spotted, he does see what we see, which is obvious it's going to be. But but there's still people thinking, oh, you know, you know, we, we should be doing this, he should be doing that. Listen, you've got to have trust in someone like him, someone that completely knows their business. So um, anyway, it was, I, I saw it was going to be a time where I didn't expect anything. I certainly didn't expect us to go through and, and, and beat Leipzig. I didn't expect us to actually even um, get into Europe, to be honest with you. But it's the next season. And now he can start to be judged because he needs a transfer window. Um, he's needed time to understand his players, realise who he wants, who he doesn't want. So now we can start looking at it objectively instead of just thinking, well, what, why is it not working? Why is it not working? With Potch, it wouldn't happen this way, but everybody always needs time when they go into a job. So I think that's how I felt. That's true. I mean, it's very, very true. And like I say, after, Lee, the suspension of football and it came back, you know, we had the likes of Sissoko, Bergwijn, Kane, Son available to us. And despite blips against Sheffield United and Bournemouth, Spurs did turn out much better performances since the restart and became a lot more accustomed to Mourinho's style. What did you make of the way we finished that 2019-20 season? Yeah, I think it was positive. It was, there was two obviously very, very disappointing results. Uh, one against Sheffield United where... Again, it, 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 Paul just mentioned it before and Jamie touched on it about kind of, you know, the, the old Spursy stuff kind of rearing its old head where, you know, we, we had a, a very, very tough VAR decision go against us, if we remember, right? And uh, it puts us, I think it was a judged hand ball from memory for, for Lucas. Kane finished it beautifully as he normally does, just in his sleep. Do you get me? Um, one season wonder, Kane, for, 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 the, for those of you who forgot, right? One season wonder. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I mean, he, uh, uh, you know, he finished it beautifully and it went against us. And for some reason, we couldn't get it out of our heads. We come out in the second half and we were woeful. And um, to be fair, Sheffield United took the chances. I think we lost 3-1. And then the uh, and then the other game um, was nil nil, wasn't it? Straight after that was Bournemouth, um, and they were the two bad results. So we lost against Sheffield United, drew against Bournemouth. I think, and the really disappointing thing for for the Bournemouth game was we didn't have. I mean, this is a team that got relegated, right? This is a team that um, you know sold <laughs> subsequently sold most of their stars for multi million pounds, but they were a team that got relegated. Quite quite bizarre. Um, and also, we didn't even have a shot on target for the whole game, and that was really frustrating. And again, some of the uh, the you know the swashbuckling football, you know, wasn't there, and and that was really frustrating. But other than that, Rick, the results were really good. I think we went on a free match run, didn't we? Uh, you're probably going to tell me in a minute. I'm probably taking a script away from you, but uh, I think we then went on a free match winning run. Obviously, beat uh, uh, beat the fellas from South London. Um, with uh, with a lovely Toby header from a corner, um, and uh, and we finished the, the season pretty strongly. And you know, for for a silly dire mistake with the penalty against United, I, I think we were comfortable with them. Um, so I think we finished the season pretty strongly. Like I said earlier in the stats, and we'll go through them again. You know that that uh, I think we were the joint third. Um, in the Premier League, I think we got amassed 18 points from the restart with a very positive goal difference as well, considering we parked the bus in every game. And uh, it was, a again, what does it mean? Well, it means that we was on form and it means that we could start to see green shoots, right, of change. Um, and, you know, we went to Newcastle, I think. We got a win up there and, you know, went one away from home, like we said before. So the restart was a... Look, it's been a horrific year, but the restart for us, for Tottenham, was was perfect. It was a perfect break that we needed, so we could get some, uh, like a mini preseason into the into the players and start to stamp his authority on on the team. Jay, that season ended with Spurs managing to creep their way into a Europa League spot on the final day, leapfrogging Wolves, meaning they eventually finished in sixth spot. And I think one of the highlights coming out of that 2019 2020 season was, of course, the emergence of Jaffet Tanganga. And this was a player that under Mourinho's time, let's be honest about it, there was a lot of, I don't know, unsure situations with Mourinho about whether he'd give you a chance. Well, he did give Javit Tanganga a chance. And he was, again, a bright light to come under, you know, that first season or half season of Mourinho being in charge. If I was to sum up the way, Jay, that season finished, getting the Europa League spot, how would you sum up, let's say, that half season he had, three quarters in charge? Yeah, it was, it was definitely kind of towards the end, it was definitely slightly mixed. Uh, there were some definitely some brilliant results, but I think what was clear is there were still gaps in that team. Um, I think obviously uh, the way he dealt with the, all the injuries, I think that that was such a big blow for Spurs to be missing Kane and Son. Um, you know, to take any sort of, you know, if you took Salah and Mane out, Liverpool, they'd struggle. Um, so, of course, there was always going to be a real struggle with, with the, the injuries that we had. And as I said, there were real gaps in that team that needed filling. You know, we didn't really have a top quality right back. We were missing a top quality left back. We were missing a top quality holding midfielder and a, a replacement for Kane. So um, there was definitely lots of areas in that team that kind of needed upgrading. But I think overall, um, you know, it was definitely positive the way that we finished the season. You could start to see signs of what we were trying to do. You saw against Leicester some of the attacking football that we produced. You saw signs of Harry Kane and Chung Min Song linking up. So... Um, I think that there was definitely encouraging signs uh, going into that summer that, that Spurs would have a, a better season this year. 
totally agree. Well, we're going to go for a very quick break. When we return, we'll be discussing the Amazon All or Nothing. Like I say, we've done it on this show, but we want to get Paul's thoughts on that. We're also going to be discussing the summer transfer window and the impact Jose Munoz had on Spurs this summer. The style of football, which of course is always up for debate. And a look at how Spurs have so far started this new season. Do not go anywhere. We're back after this very, very short break. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organizations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people, enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions but also how to benchmark, train and retain them. Phoenix 51 powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey. Day two for Jose Mourinho, and he's called in star striker England captain Harry Kane for a one-to-one. Very simple. I believe that you had a very good relation with Mauricio. Yeah. I love that. I always think good relation with the previous man and why not good relation with me? Yeah. So I see you training yesterday. I have no doubts that you are a leader. That's my feeling. The world looks to English football with an incredible respect, but they still think that the movie stars of football, they belong to other places. Yeah. yeah. And I think we have, we have to build also your status yeah. in that direction. Yeah. My profile, yeah. I am a little bit yeah, I am a little bit that as a coach. The reality is that it's my dimension is yeah. is universal, and by being with with me, I think I I can help you to. Yeah, this. that's that's my aim, you know. Because when you're at a club like Tottenham, of course we've done well, and personally I've done well. But, but I want to be. Is not enough. And yes. And yes. But what I don't accept because that's my fucking nature. I don't accept to be here. Yeah, sort of, uh, winning really nothing, really. fucking hell, I don't. But I, f- I feel that we can, yeah. because of you. Because of you, you know, you have better players than I had at Manchester United. So I, I see the club has a lot to to explode. Yeah. I'm here. I appreciate that. Okay? Good. Midfielder Delhi has had a meteoric rise from MK Dons to being one of the Premier League's most exciting young players. season he received criticism for his inconsistent performances social media gives everyone a platform to voice their opinion and then it's like oh i hate you leave my club uh and then next week it's like oh i love you so much obviously it's like if i'm scoring or if i'm not so it's like <laughs> if you listen to what people say when they, if they're saying good things all the time you can get carried away with yourself and if they're saying bad things you can obviously lose confidence i think you can't get caught up in what they're saying some players, the big stars, and they get to 22 or something, and they just never get any better. In fact, they effectively go backwards. We are going to resolve the mistake with effort. So you have to do that. Okay? Then it. Only in the goal kick. But if he goes there, you cannot be attracted by him. If not, you are attracted by him, and he plays direct in there. But you cannot let him go alone. So the moment Eric 
Jose is keen to find a way of getting Delhi back to playing his best football. Okay, so what I want to tell you basically is this. Um, I think you feel that I like you. Yeah. You feel. I like you as a player and I like you also as a kid. I think you are a nice kid. I don't want to be your father because you have your father. I don't want to be your uncle or your uh, old brother. I just want to be your coach, but with a good connection. So I, I have to tell you always what I think in, inside of you. Maybe you tell me to fuck off, but I have to tell you exactly what I think. And for me, since the beginning, I had no doubts about uh, your potential. I saw you do incredible matches and incredible things. But I always felt that you had ups and downs. There is a huge difference between a player that keeps consistency and a player that has moments. And that is what makes a difference between a top, top player and a player with a top potential. It's something that you don't have to share with me. I think it's just for you to analyze yourself and to realize why my career is being, okay, may MK Don's top national team, bang, and then you reach the top, and then why you have in your career these little ups and downs, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it has to be to your lifestyle, if in one period you are an amazing professional, if in another period you become a party boy going, I don't know, I have no idea, only you can know that. I am 56 now, and yesterday, yesterday, I was 20, you know what I mean? Yeah. And today I'm 56. Time flies, time flies. And I think one day, I think you will regret if you don't reach what you can reach. I'm not expecting you to be the man of the match every game. I'm not expecting you to score goals every game. I want just to tell you that I think you will regret. You should demand more from you. Not me demanding more from you. Not me, nobody, you. I think you should demand more from you. Thank you, mate. Thank you. See you later. Yeah. I'm not like blind to it. I know I, I didn't play that well last season. And as soon as I have a bad game, or if I'm not playing well, or if I'm not training well, I'm the first one that knows that. I'm the first one to criticize myself. And, you know, I always think of what I can do to improve. And sometimes things just switch. Hello and welcome back to the second half of the last word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping safe and well during this international break where we review the last 12 months of Jose Mourinho in charge of Tottenham Hotspur and what a whirlwind it's been. Now, Paul, we had the pleasure here on the last word of Spurs of collaborating with Amazon on the yeah. All or Nothing documentary. We want to get your thoughts on it as well as a someone so closely connected to the club like you are. Yeah. And I say, you know the players, you know the manager, you've been around the staff, you know, Daniel Levy. Was there any surprising stuff of elements come out of that documentary for you, Paul? How do you think the club were perceived? And of course, Jose Mourinho in particular. 
Well, I think the biggest surprise and the one that um, upset me the most is the fact that you were on it a lot more than I was. So there's one thing that really pissed me off. So there was that. Lee was on it more than I was. Uh, Jamie, you were probably on there more than I was, were you? You were in there? I've got a little feature. I've got a very small Yeah, see, there you go. Probably more than me. Again, we'll take this off air, Paul. Don't worry. Listen, this is the reason I'm here right now. <laughs> All I've been talking about, oh, yeah, going to be this episode. I'll probably be in there. Everybody I know with anything to do with Spurs is on it more than me. Although, in the opening titles, just as you look in the distance, when you see the waving flags, it's me. It's my face that's there, there for are. about a tenth of a second. So, therefore, I think if the opening titles, that counts. But apart from that, you lot are on it more than I am. <laughs> So bollocks to all of you. That's all I can say. <laughs> I'll, end, I'll end my next fi- final half time with uh, last word on Spurs. Bollocks to them and up the Spurs. That's what I'm going to say. So- <laughs> make, make sure you get last word on Spurs in there before you say the bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What, what, did, what did you make? What, of what was the question there, Rick? What was yeah, <laughs> the question? Was what did you make of the overall documentary in terms of you know Mourinho and the way he was perceived yeah. and how he came out of that? Do you think oh, he came out very star. positive? Of course he did. I mean, he was the star of the show, wasn't he? I thought he was terrific. I thought he came over very well. And and I don't believe there's some people go, oh, yeah, playing up to the cameras. But, you know, I'd spoken to the producers about it. I'd spoken to the to, to people that were there that were seeing the filming. You can't play it up the whole time. Uh, well, I mean, I, I mean, Lee, even in The Apprentice, you didn't have, exactly. you couldn't even do that, could you, mate? Sorry to, exactly. Sorry to interact, but that, that is the key thing because, you know, there's cameras everywhere, but you don't play up to them. You just get on with your job. You just get yeah. on with what you've got to do. You just sometimes, and that sounds ridiculous, but and but especially because you know when I won the apprentice, it was twelve years ago. So there's these big, massive cameras carrying around on sure. the show. Probably different now, but the reality is, is that you forget that they're there. You just yeah. get on with what you're meant to be doing. There's no way you, you can act for you know maybe a half an hour, maybe an hour if you're good enough, but you know you can't do it for an entire season. You just can't. Yeah. It, People it, love it. Truth comes out in your behaviour. Yeah, and, and people love him. This is what I'd heard from from when and in there. You sort of go, well, how is it? And they go, everybody loves him. Everybody loves him. And when I met him for that brief time, and when I have spoke, he's charm personified. And the amount of people that I've spoken to go, yeah, you know, there's that. Everybody expects him to be one way, but he is a very decent fella. And like I said earlier, I think there was a lot in the documentary where we would all sit there and go, yeah. I feel the same way. He sees it. He does see that. He sees it about players that aren't working hard enough. He see it. He's seen it about uh, players that maybe aren't shooting when we'd expect them to. You know that they're not doing what we you know. Just loads of stuff. I can't even think off the top of my head. There's been so many, and then think, yeah, the guy gets it. So I think his personality came over, and it was the Jose show. I think everybody realised it was the Jose show. I think he came over great. What did you make, Paul, out of interest? That one of the first things we saw him do when he went into this documentary, or say went, yep. went into the club, was that he pulled the likes of Harry Kane, Eric Dyer, Deli yep. Ali for all one-to-one chats. So now we're seeing Kane, the form he's in. You know, he said, "I think I can help you explode." We're seeing mm. this right before our very eyes. Don't get me wrong; we've known Paul for a long time of Kane's ability. You know, not just goal scoring, but his overall play. You know, his passing has always been quite phenomenal the last yeah. couple of years, and he's brought that on. But it does feel now, Paul, that with personalities in that changing room, he's now elevating them to a level where really as fans, you know, we're starting to see them recognised now by a lot of 
outlets of media that really in the past maybe never gave us that exposure. You know, can you really sum up just how he's improved the players to a degree where they're now being recognised on, I say, like a world level, the likes of Kane, the likes of Son? I mean, are you surprised by this? No, well, I'm not actually, because let's face it, you don't go out and win the things that you've won by not knowing the game. And this is when people were saying, and that thing again, oh, you know, can he notice that? Of course he can see it. Of course he can. He's taking his time and he knows exactly what he wants. He knows what players he needs. He knows what players he, what, what he wants players to do. And also, I think it's prove what a very good man manager he is. We heard all the stuff about Manchester United. Oh, yeah, this is bust-ups and he doesn't know how to deal with this person. You could see even the bad losses when they came in. See, Did you see how he built people up straight away? You know, don't worry, we'll deal with that. But he, one of the secrets of management and so many that I've spoken to over the years, you know, you go back to the, even the back to the Bill Nicholson days, and of course, you know what legend Bill was, and of course, the, the, the greatest of them all. But the game is different, and he would deal with everybody in a very similar fashion. Whereas now, you have to deal with everybody in a different way. I and mean, when we're talking with huge egos, we're talking about millennials, and we're talking about loads of different things. Pete, you have to deal with them right to get the best out of everybody. So there are some that are going to need to kick up the ass, which is going to work. And there's other people that are actually going to need that arm around the shoulder. And whereas we might not have thought he was the sort of manager that would do that, especially the arm around the shoulder, I think it's proved otherwise that he really knows how to deal with personalities. Only right to ask you, Paul, as you're here, just on the thoughts of someone like Delhi Ali, for example. Delhi, we yeah. saw him in that documentary, have that chat with Delhi and say to him, look, you know, I think you're going to regret it if you don't, let us say, take this career into your own hands and really kind yeah. of knuckle down. What do you think the future holds for someone like Delhi? Do you think there is that opportunity to come back? Because we saw last season, Tsungi and Dombele, the way he's worked so hard to sure. get back into Mourinho's first team plans. What's your thoughts? Do you think Delhi has still got a chance to you know, revive this Spurs career? It's, it's really difficult to say because I think it's probably in, in Delhi's hands. And I think this is probably what Mourinho has said to him. You perform for me and you can show me what you can truly do. And I and I worry that this is something that Delhi has never had to face with through his career. He's come up through uh through uh playing at Milton Keynes and he's played freely and everybody's looked at him and go, This kid's a genius, he's fantastic. David Pleat's seen him. Yeah, this guy's amazing, bring him to Spurs, does it? And then this is the first test where hold on. These tricks aren't working. For some reason it's not happening. And is that down to personality and how you then get over that? I don't know. Uh, you know, the, the, obviously the ability's there. You know, we've seen it even recently and you think, you know, the pass is going astray. Is he, is he now thinking twice about it? It's the same as anybody in any job, uh, especially in the sort of business and the, the sort of thing that we do. And you think, well, you know, I, I do that without even thinking about it. But the moment you start thinking, overthinking what you're doing, that's when you're going to get into trouble. And that does worry me about Delhi because obviously the, the ability's there. And, and it's, of course it's a possibility that he could come back. But it's with him, I think, and we'll see what happens. I think it's you know, nobody can actually can predict what is going to happen. But obviously, I've got my fingers crossed for him. Yeah, of course. Listen, we, we all would like him to come back. I think it's one of those things at the moment where we've got such a settled squad that it's very hard to sit there and say, well, listen, Delhi can come back in immediately. I just think that is the quality of this squad. And talking about the quality of it, obviously, the summer transfer window, Paul, um, we never quite saw anything like what we have seen before with Tottenham in yeah. terms of the spending, um, the quality of investment for this team. And of course, one special man coming back to this football club. If I was to ask you to sum up, Paul, the summer transfer window for Tottenham, how would you sum it up? Could you believe what was happening before your eyes? All these players are coming in. Was it time? Was it part of the rebuild? What's your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think um, 
the whole bail thing is just just landed perfectly. Of course, we were all going bananas when we found out uh, it was going to happen. And the irony is, is that the influx of players, we haven't had an influx of players like this probably since it was the bail money that actually when we'd spent that and, uh, you know, all that, you know, we've sold it, obviously, and bought the Beatles, which turned out to be, I don't know, Boys Own or something. No, probably not even worry worse than that. <laughs> they, you know, I, I don't want to insult any band, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, it's... It's buying sensibly. There's nobody that we've looked at and thought, hold on, what's he bought him for? Everything is bought and thought, right, this is what I need. Um, this is what I want. I don't know whether Gareth Bale was part of that. I wonder whether that was actually part of the original conversation with Daniel saying, yeah, I want him because obviously we'd love to have him. But but another interesting thing is that this is what I'd heard from, oh, this is someone high up at Spurs. This is about a year ago. And we were talking about Gareth Bale. And uh, he's someone that's been at the club for a long time. And I was talking to him and, and saying, you know, well, you know, it'd be great to bring him back, wouldn't it? We, it's the old usual thing about, yeah, but it's going to cost so much money. And he said to me, there are two players that Daniel has always truly loved. And I can't, if only I could remember the other one, because it just focused on Bale. And he said one of them was Gareth Bale, that were his favourite players that he would always talk about. So there was always a great love for Gareth Bale as far as Danny was concerned. So if there was any opportunity to bring him back, I'm really, I mean, it's a masterstroke. And the fact that now he looks so happy to be home, doesn't he? I mean, it really does. I know people go, oh yeah, you get these other fans going, oh yeah, so how's it working for you now? It's going to take time, but it's, I think it's a fantastic signing. And, and it just shows the ambition of the club, all the signings we've made, I don't think there's anybody that I've looked at and thought, no, that ain't going to work because it all seems to be working for me. It does. I want to get the boys' thoughts on this very, very quick before we ask you, Paul, about the season ahead in terms of what we've yeah. done so far. Lee, you know, it was a crazy chaotic summer for us. It started Amazing. with Pierre-Emile Hoybier coming through the door, then followed by Joe Hart, Matt Doherty coming over as well. We then had, of course, the crazy, crazy time. We had Gareth Bale, Sergio Regulon. And Spurs finally getting their second alternative striker. I'm not allowed to say the word backup. Carlos Vinicius came through the door. <laughs> and we did no, go and get a centre-back. It wasn't Skriniar. It wasn't the one we maybe all wanted. But we did get Joe Roden. We maybe see more of him now coming after this international break. At least sum up that summer transfer window. And does that happen if Jose Mourinho is not the Spurs head coach? Uh, no, and 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 Jose Mourinho doesn't become the Spurs head coach without Maurizio Pochettino, and that's the biggest. That's probably the biggest compliment I can pay Maurizio as well, um, because you know if you, if you don't get to where we got to, Jose don't even look at this football club, um, and uh, most of these signings don't happen if Jose is not at the club as well. So again, it's not just about you know the fact that he parks fast and does low block. It's also the, the the stature, the the network, the the ability that he's got to, and again, I go back to what Paul said earlier because I think again, he's spot on. He just sees everything that we're seeing, right? And and you can see that in the documentary. And that, you know, I, I I'm going to pat myself on the back because none of you have done it yet, so I'm going to do it myself. You know, I, I actually said, um, you know, I leave the transfers to you boys, you Rick and Jamie, you're the transfer gurus. But I said we should sign Hoiber. I said it. I said it in January. I said, we need to go and get him. And the, the reason for that was, I was fed up with um, going into these French leagues or whatever it might be and, and, and finding players that take a year or 18 months or eight months, nine months to get going. Like we, we don't have that luxury at Tottenham. We need to get them off the, you know, straight out of the blocks. Um, and uh, Premier League proven experience. You know, I was banging the drum for Ricardo over at Leicester um, for, for a right back. Obviously, he got injured. And how they brought Doherty in for the money they did was absolutely outstanding business. Brilliant, brilliant signing for us. Premier League experience. 
Hoy, but a brilliant signing for us. You know, three million net. If you look at Kyle Walker, Pete's going in the other direction with Southampton. Um, and this guy's 25 years old as well. Where's the invisible armbands we talked about before? I'm, I'm, you know, because you don't get all the glory. Like, you know, these, these, hard-working central midfielders, right? That You know, what did uh, Crackers call it a couple of shows ago? The dustmen. They come and sweep up, right? They're the dustmen of the team. And they just, you know, they don't, they don't get the glory, do they, right? Like Son or Kane or whatever. But this guy's been an eight out of 10 every match, probably more than that. Man in a match, if, if, if you having to give it to, you know, Son for scoring four, then, you know, somewhere behind there, Hoiberg would have probably had a nine out of 10 or something. He's been absolutely outstanding. So you look at the transfer window and I give it a nine out of 10 in, ter- in terms of it. I don't normally get up up with the whole transfer window thing like like most people, but I was totally embossed in it. And then the Gareth Bale thing, I mean, I can't even put it into words. Like I said earlier, I got emotional about Poch leaving. I got emotional when Gareth returned. I thought it was absolutely perfect signing for us. I, I generally think because he's joined the club, we, it, it's taken us to another level. You put everything that we've talked about on this pod so far, and then you add the sprinkle of stuff. I mean, this guy is utter world class. I mean, it's literally, you can't, you, you know, it's not like, oh, yeah, it used to be. No, he still is. It, it, and he even if he scored the other, the other week, and he's, he's not in like, he's probably 80% fit. Honestly, I'm so excited by it. And people that can't be excited by it, they've forgotten how to be excited. I know 2020 is a weird year, but you've got to be excited about it. You don't have to go over the top like me, but but you've got to be excited by the fact that Regulon, he looks a player. He's proper Spurs already. You know, mm. Bale has always been Spurs coming home. Kane, you know, he's in the form of his life. The guy's going to go and, you know, probably, uh, probably get another 30 goals this season or something, you know, in all competitions. Yep. Absolutely incredible. So, yeah, I mean, I think the transfer window, the business, the back end of the club, the back end of the manager, we've got a lot of stick before. There's a lot of leave out banners all over the social media. I, I ain't seen any of them for a while. I don't know if it, maybe it's because I blocked most of them. But, you know, the reality is that they're not around anymore, are they? So uh, I think I think the chairman and Steve Hitchin, I, get, I was critical of them before. I think they've done an amazing job. Back Jose, and he's got what he wants. And the thing is, when Jose's on a mission, which clearly he is, there's only one thing that's going to happen. Trophies are coming. <laughs> Jay, this is your field, the transfer window. This is your territory, right? This is the man, I say, that's tweeting away, that's giving us all the information. Jay, does this transfer window happen under Maurizio Pochettino or is it because of Mourinho, the character? His, if, you, if you look at all these players that had signed for Tottenham, the one key factor we find here is that a lot of them are saying, I've signed for Jose Mourinho, I've signed to win trophies, I've signed to become a winner. Is yeah. this about Mourinho? Well, I think there's also the case. I remember him speaking before the transfer window and he said he'd gone and identified the areas in the team that needed improving and he'd gone and given that to Daniel Levy. And if you look at the way that we kind of plugged the gaps, you know, we went and signed a right back, went and signed a holding midfielder. Of course, a left back came in. You know, there really did feel as though there was real planning and there was real kind of thinking behind what we were doing in the transfer window. You saw a lot of the players. There was also the mentality was also targeted. You see the likes of Joe Hart coming in, Pierre Mahoybier, who was captain, um, of Southampton, um, you know, and that there was, and, and Gareth Bale, you know, he was obviously a, a prime example of that, what we were looking to bring in, a player who knew how to win, and knew, knows how to win trophies. Of course, he's won multiple of them in Real Madrid. So it was about bringing in the players with the right mentality. It was about filling the gaps in the team. And, and it felt as though there was real method behind what we did. And um, so it's no surprise that it's all kind of working very well. But as you said, yeah, I think that Jose Mourinho, he definitely was a big factor in, in attracting players to the club. 
you look, I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was when he was at Manchester United and they were in the Europa League and there was this all big thing when they were bringing in Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Paul Pogba, and they're all doing it with Europa League football. And it's crazy to think that Spurs had the window they had when you're signing players like Sergio Reguilon, Gareth Bale with Europa League football. So it kind of shows you the level that we're perceived as now as a club. And of course, as you said, I definitely think Jose Mourinho had an impact in that. But um, yeah, it was obviously a fantastic window. And um, you know, we're certainly kind of uh, feeling the effects of it this year. We are indeed. Well, listen, we're going to go for our final break of the show. When we return, we'll be discussing the new season, our start to it. And like I say, our thoughts about if, we've, we've all said on this show for many, many times this season, are the trophies finally on their way? Do not go anywhere. We're back. Break of the show. Hello and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. Right, Paul, going to come round to you. The start to this season. And what a season we've had so far. Now, I know we can't get in there, so we can't hear your dulcet tones <laughs> and the excitement in your voice about what is happening before our eyes. Paul, you always get us excited at, at the stadium. Are these trophies coming? What's going on here, Paul? What a start to the season we've had? What have you made of it? They're coming, of course they're coming. This is it now. They're definitely coming. But you know what? I just don't want them coming when we're not going to be there. You know, we'll be there. Come on. How many years have you had this gig? How many years have you had this? 16, uh, 16 right. years. It would be totally unfair on you alone for 16 years of being there if you are not there yeah, yeah. to see them win the trophies. The things that I've been asked, I remember there was the, I think it was the Leicester season, and then I was asked, look, just in case there's like a secret discussion that had to take place. And that was, we all know what happened up at Newcastle, but just in case you may have to be there just in case we're not going to, you know, we keep our fingers crossed. We're saying it, but just in case it happens, you'll have to be there to say, to announce the fact that we are the champions. And it was like, Oh God. And then of course, West Ham happened and then Chelsea happened. And then we, uh, you know, then we all know what happened there, but, yeah, they're coming. They're definitely coming. And I'm just so hopeful now that maybe, maybe, hopefully we will be there to see it happen. Um, whether it's going to be this season, I don't know. I, I, whether it's definitely going to be this season, um, but I'm sure something's coming. I, I really am. I really, really am. Paul, don't you do that to us. Don't you sit there and say, it might be happening, it can, but you've just promised us at that first, first Did minute. I promise you this season? <laughs> oh, in that case, it'll be this season. I don't, yeah. <laughs> It's a fun, but the thing is, it's a weird season, isn't it? You just don't know. It's such a strange season. But I'm so hopeful. I, I really think that now that winning mentality is there. We got winners in the side. We got a winner, true winner, the, someone that knows what it's like to get over the line. The, the amount of of people that I've spoken to and ex-players that over the years that say, yeah, once you win that first one, then the rest will come. And I'm like, well, how? Tell me why is it is, and they say it is. There's a mentality there. Is once you get over the line once, then it continues, and it truly is a mindset. And even now, for someone that's sort of not played, it's difficult to truly understand. But everybody is convinced that that's what happens. So just get that first one, and and the rest will follow. I know, Paul. That's something all the legends say that to you a lot in terms yeah. of you know, that first one getting that on board. I mean, the start of the season, Paul, let's be honest about it, it wasn't easy. Of course, we had that difficult opening day against Everton, but since then, sure. we have been in real formidable form. Oh. As Lee mentioned earlier, on the road, you know, absolutely smashing up Manchester United and the grinding out of results against the West Broms, against yeah. the Burnleys. Games Winning that, ugly. Honest, well, the, the games, Paul, that in the past, Spurs, you know yourself, these are not you know, 100% going to go down and win. We've always had difficulty in yeah. these kind of games. Are you comfortable, Paul, on the eye, this is always a debate about the style of play. 
Yes. Are you comfortable with the fact that if we grind out the wins, that's enough yep. for you, or do you want it seen to be played in a certain style? I had an old friend that used to talk about it. He goes, well, what do you want, jam on it? And that's what he used to say about anything like that. What do you want, jam on it? Well, you got this. And so, you know what? I'll go without the jam for a while. If we get the wins, I've spent, I've, I've, I've had the jam for a long time, but you've got to have the scone to put it on. True. And this is the most ridiculous analogy I've ever said in my entire life. So you have to bear with me. But, uh, yeah, get rid of this. But anyway... It, if we win ugly, we win ugly. We'd rather take the three points. Yeah. I'm fed up with the people going, oh, yeah, well, if he comes along, we won't play this, we won't do this, we won't do that. You know what? It's time for us to start winning. And the thing is, yes, we're winning ugly, but we are winning beautiful sometimes also. So if there's those away games and it's going to take time to grind them out, they're difficult watches. Of course they are. They're really uncomfortable to watch. You know, the game last week, we're watching the West Brom game and just thinking, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Yeah. But then it does. Yeah. But you know what? The celebrations are still just as crazy the moment that goal goes in, aren't they? So we're not complaining then. So I'll take it. I will take it. If it gets us something, absolutely I'll take it. But we're not playing ugly the whole time. This is what we're going to make the point. It's not like we're just going out and winning 1-0 and it's, you know, most it's old Arsenal out of George Graham. It's the, not like that. Second most goal scored in the Premier League. You know, well, what does that tell you? What does yeah. that tell you? Yeah. So there's going to be some tricky away wins. And if they're away wins, I will take them all done on. Now, it's fair to say ahead of the new season. I think there was fans, there was reservation about how Tottenham's style would be. And it's always been one of those factors, I think, that has always, at the moment with Jose Mourinho's time in charge, been a key talking point and a key focal point. Now, as we know, Lee, coming around to you, because this is a very popular subject amongst Spurs fans, Mourinho in the past has had a reputation yeah. for kind of parking the bus when he needs to win football matches. He's often faced criticism over the years that his style of play is boring, defensive, slow. Although, let's be honest about it, it's a style that has won him many trophies. And Mourinho has almost said himself that he's very flexible. He adapts to the style of players that he's got that he, at his disposal. But he also adapts to the specific conditions and tactics of every single game. Matches yeah. his team's best play against the opponents of the day. So therefore, Lee, 12 months on... Looking at the style of play, what's your thoughts on it? Have we moved forward? Are we evolving? Thoughts? Yeah, I think I think we have. And, and you know what? I think you've hit nail on the head there, Rick, when, when you said about adapting style of play to the people that we're playing against. And, and I actually think that is something that we've missed for a long, long time. And I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about them down the road because, you know, they, they had one style that they played with and, you know, sometimes they wanted to walk the ball in the back of the net, you know, the, uh, under Arsene Wenger. And sometimes that was their downfall. Um, and I think, you know, actually looking at the opposition, really analysing. One thing no one can say about Jose and his backroom staff, Jao uh, Sacramento, is their analysis is outrageous. I mean, I'll quickly take you back to the Amazon documentary, half-time uh, against Manchester United. And he, he, he basically told the players exactly, like almost like he wrote the script. He, at half-time, he went, this is what's going to happen. Pogba's going to come on. He's going to ping balls. He's going to... And it... It, they, it come out second half and they did exactly what he said. I mean, he just knows everything about the game and that can only be a good thing for Spurs. I'm going to dispel the myth here, Rick, and to all of the listeners, right? At me if you want, fair play. But here's, the, here's, the, here's some stats. During his time at Porto, he scored, on average, um, just under 1.98 goals per game. Chelsea, 320 games played, 1.85 goals per game. Manchester United, only 51 games played, 1.75 goals per game. Inter Milan, 108 games played, 1.76 goals per game. Real Madrid, 178 played, 2.76 goals per game. 
amazing. This is Real Madrid, right? Galacticos, freaking hell, who's playing for you? Blah, blah, blah. Ronaldo, whatever. Tottenham Hotspur, 50, 50 games, 2.02 goals per game, right? And this season, this season, Jose Mourinho, 15 goals, uh, 15 games played, 2.87 goals per game. That is the highest ratio that he's had so far across all them teams. So what I've done is I've taken the top, top managers over the last, you know, whatever you want to say, 20 years, so top managers that we'll know. So I've picked them out. Jose Mourinho, Sir Alex Ferguson, Arsene Wenger, Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola. Out of that little mini league, out of all them matches they've played, at where do you think Jose Mourinho is in terms of average goals scored per game? Where do you think he is out of all of them? I reckon he's first. He ain't first. Well, I'll give you that clue. He ain't first. <laughs> second? He is second in that league. And I'm still, just going to run through them, right? Because I've actually I've added Poch in there as well, which is a darling of Tottenham Hotspur. 513 games, Poch averaged 1.6 goals per game. Pep Guardiola, 653 matches, two and a half goals per game. It's an outrageous record. Klopp, the darling of Liverpool, won loads of stuff of him. 864 games, 1.94 goals per game. Jose Mourinho, 956 matches, two goals per game, 2.1, 2.01 goals per game. Arsene Wenger, 1,600 games, absolutely incredible. Um, 1.8 goals per game. So Alex Ferguson, everything he won, 1.92 goals per game. Jose Mourinho, at that lot, sits number two. Now, everybody will sit there and say, oh, he ain't won nothing, he ain't done anything. Listen to what I'm saying here. This guy builds football teams that score goals. On average, two goals per game over 900 matches. It, he does not park the bus. This guy has come in in a year and started scoring goals. And at the moment, and at the moment, we've got, well, on average, 2.87 goals per game. That is the most in the league, bar Chelsea, actually, to be, to be fair. So we're second now, forgive me, because that game just clicked over. But in terms of over the amount of games that we've played, it's an incredible return. You can't, you can't, argue with the stats in that position in, in that particular now you can argue with we might score three and lose or, or we might lose a, uh, you know a lead against West Ham and therefore we lose two points and therefore we don't win anything absolutely but in terms of style of football which is what you just uh, which is what your question was uh, five minutes ago before I started waffling on my stats I've got my stats book out and I've said to you specifically here 2.01 goals per game over 956 matches across six different clubs, across three different leagues. Do not tell me that Jose Mourinho goes for one nils and parks a bus because this is a myth and it now doesn't exist. But Jay, just coming around to you, you know, Mourinho, he can read the game perfectly. And one of the, things, the greatest things about Mourinho is that many fans love is that he immediately reacts to a changing game situation. We've seen so yeah. many times under him where he's made substitutions at an instance at half-time or even, dare I say, first half, Eric Dyer, for example, against Olympiacos, a prime example there. When a game needs to be changed, he will change it. So therefore, yeah. Jay, coming around to you, the start of play, and a lot of people are still kind of sceptical about the middle or the low block and how that's being used by Mourinho away from home. Do you think there's been an involvement to his game over the last 12 months? I, I think that in terms of Jose Mourinho, he is, I think that you perfectly summarised it by saying adaptable. He is like an adaptable coach. He'll adapt to the situation that he's in. When he's got the players where he can take the handbrake off and he can go forward, 
then that's when we'll see an attacking Jose Mourinho side. And this year, obviously, we brought in Hoybier, so it's given that license for Spurs to go forward. But he's always going to be uh, cautious of, of kind of our frailties. And we know, in defensively, there are still frailties. So there's always going to be... He's, he sets up to win football matches, and he'll obviously set up in a way that will stop us from being exposed in those frailties. Get better defensively, then he'll start to continue to adapt to the team. And it will allow us to go forward more. And I think that that's something that we'll continue to see um, as we bring in new players, as the team continues to improve and learns Jose Mourinho's way. But I think that key word is being adaptable. I don't think Jose Mourinho is a defensive coach. I don't think he's necessarily an attacking coach. He will adapt to that situation that he's in. And as I said, he's been given players there. He's been given the likes of Doherty. He's been given Regulon. Um, he's, of course, um, brought in Hoybier. We look to bring in Milan Skriniar or a centre-back. So he was clearly has reservations over this defence. And there are still reservations over this defence. You saw the way we conceded three against West Ham. And then in the following games, we kind of uh, tried to set up in such a way that was um, more cautious um, and, and, and being aware of those frailties. So, um, but look again on the, on the, you know, the, the West Brom win, the, um, uh, what was it, the Burnley win. Those games, you know, we've struggled in in the past. You know, I don't think we necessarily set up to play in the way that we did. I think we came up against a Burnley side and uh, on a West Brom side, which set up to frustrate us. And that's why it was so difficult for us to kind of create opportunities because they sat so deep. Um, so I, I think in those sort of games, how many times have we gone under Pochettino where we, we seem to be a team that, Everyone thinks that we play fantastic football and we've played the exact same way. I think it's just in those sort of games, those are very, they, those can be difficult places to go on occasions. I think that they obviously set up in such a way that was frustrating Spurs. Um, but as I said, just on, on a whole as the football, I think that the key word is, is Jose Mourinho is, is, is kind of the king of being adaptable uh, with his tactics. And his argument, of course, will be, boys, that he plays winning football. You know, this is a man that's won 25 trophies. He is a serial winner. Just to bring it into context for this season that we've had so far, Mm. Lee, we have made a real encouraging start to the season. We briefly led the Premier League last weekend, albeit for 25 minutes. I I loved every minute of that, Rick. (laughs) We know you did. Bad-ass minutes. We know you've still got the screenshot there. We know you still have got it. Screenshot, mate. It's on. I I still look at it every day, mate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we have to remember as well, we are also in the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. We are also progressing well in the Europa League. And of course, we had that slip up to Everton. But since then, we've had thrilling away victories at Southampton and Manchester United still in the headlines. But of course, we had disappointing draws to the likes of Newcastle and West Ham, which saw last minute equalisers conceded. And there were hugely promising performances, you know, prior to that. You know, I think the Burnley and the, and the West Brom Winsley and Brighton... Are we seeing Mourinho now just saying, look, I only care about results. And I think now what you're seeing is a more diplomatic way of playing that these players now know that, listen, it's all great playing pretty football to some degree. But if you do not get those results, if you do not get what matters in football to be the end goal, that's the problem. And I think we're starting to see now, Lee, a team that is believing now that they can actually go and win something. What have you made of the start to this season so far? Yeah, I'm pleased with the start of the season so far. I was absolutely gutted because uh, I was right on the train. Uh, um, crazy train, mate. We're all on it. But I was right on the train with uh, John uh, from Lily White, uh, Lily White Rose when he talked about, you know, smashing Everton first game, home game of the season. I, I totally agreed with him. 
and that was a real one that got away. It was really annoying. And look how Everton started off, you know, getting a good start under your belt and half make a difference. They've now gone on a run with um, three uh, Premier League defeats on the trot and all of a sudden they, they've dropped them down the table. So consistency is going to be massive and it doesn't matter if you win one nil or five nil. You're going away from home. This is a club that last season went 10 months in the season before, 10 months without an away uh, win in the Premier League. Now, all of a sudden, we're, we're griping over a 1-0 win at Burnley. <laughs> like, what? What planet is everyone on? Like, honestly, they think that we've got a, the, the, the God-given right to go to Burnley and win by six goals. I mean, what on earth? So that, that's the bit that frustrates me. As you can probably tell, um, I think the other, the other, the the really on the positive side of things is that you know we're a hundred percent, like I said in the pod last week, we're a hundred percent. We lost that game against West Brom last season or season four, hundred percent, and and that's encouraging. I think that the massive test comes when we we've got to rock up and we've got to play City and we've got to play Arsenal, and we've got to play Liverpool, and we've got to play Leicester, you know, we've got to play Chelsea, and then we've got to go away to Wolves and we've got to fit in a Stoke City, uh, um, you know, uh, Carabao Cup court final in there amongst loads of European games. Well, there's no doubt this is the big bit coming across now, but so far it's fantastic. We could have had extra couple of points as, as we all know, but we are where we are. We're sitting second in the Premier League table and, you know, the, the, the next test comes against Manchester City um, and again I think that you know if Jose sets up with the whole low block I mean let's be honest we did he did last we beat him 2-0 uh, project restart didn't we uh, with Burgess scoring a fantastic goal but I mean they absolutely battered us didn't they let's yeah. be honest about it it was like 70% well, possession that, that, mean, listen but, Lee you know that team took at half time you know good guys don't win it was born out of that it, it, it really was and, and and I think you know he got the fella sent off and blah 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 and you know we, we know how the game went but it's going to be fascinating to see how we how we sets up now this season against the big boys um, because we went to Manchester United and went toe to toe and battered them six one um, and and are we going to go toe to toe with Man City uh, you know because Man City will score goals against us if we go toe to toe with them but we'll score goals against them and I think that's where some Spurs fans and I do agree with that you know if we go after them go on the front foot and I say it every week and and to be fair so does Jose high press get in their face be really quick we've got the players to be able to do it now it, we've got the we've got the ability to to go toe-to-toe with Manchester City so I hope I hope that we go and do it and we show that we can outscore them if we let in three goals but we score four so what it'd be a bloody good game wouldn't it it will do listen we're going to come on to the Man City prediction very very soon Jay just want to come round to you because whilst the additions of Gareth Bale and Carlos Vinicius made the headlines it's actually the attacking duo so far of Harry Kane and Hummin Song who have lit the league up for Tottenham. And I've got to say also, you know, the Portuguese boss has built on his successes of the foundations of a real rock-solid defence. He's not renowned for really developing attackers, but at the moment, Son and Kane's form has been formidable. And then when you add to that, we've got the elegance of, you know, Sergio Regulon bombing up the flank. Matt Doherty, he'll come in time. But, you know, I think what has been the real charge to Tottenham this season so far has been the wonderful work in midfield, as Lee mentioned earlier, the likes of Hoybier, the likes of Ndombele, who looks revived as a midfielder at Tottenham. What have you made of that midfield duel we've got so far? And you had Lo Celso to come. There's yeah. some real exciting promise now in this midfield. One thing I noticed a lot last year is the likes of Winks, the likes of Lo Celso were being used in kind of more of a defensive role. Um, he was used having to use players out kind of in a, in a kind of a role that they weren't so familiar with. And that's why it was so important that we kind of went and um, plugged some gaps that we had in the squad. And um, obviously the big one for me was the holding midfielder. You look at 
um, the team that we were when we had the likes of Victor Wanyama in the side. And we've just not had that sort of player since since Wanyama kind of started suffering those injuries. So um, I think that Hoybier was such a, a key point for Spurs because it's allowed the likes of Lacelso to have more freedom to get forward. You saw the way that he was able to drive forward against Southampton. Um, you've seen the way that Ndombele, again, he, you know, maybe it's no surprise that he's started to become a better player because we know the talent that he has on the football. And when he's got someone that's more reliable, that can kind of do the defensive work in Hoybier, he's been given more freedom to go forward. So, yeah, Hoybier, you know, I can quite comfortably see him being Spurs' player of the year, the player of the season this year because, as we said, he just does that role that does kind of go underappreciated. But you see the way that Spurs fans are really acknowledging it. And because... He's just doing such a fantastic job at it. But um, yeah, I, I think he's been a real key addition. And uh, yeah, the midfield, you know, you look at the attack, it's fantastic. But I think that um, the, the midfield behind them is certainly doing a, a very good job as well. Totally agree. Now, you look at the situation at the moment, Lee, as we go into this game against Man City, second most goals scored, joint best defence, kept clean sheets back-to-back away in the league against West Brom and Brighton for the first time since October 2018. We also remain on the longest current unbeaten run in the Premier League, 1-5, drawn two. If I was to ask you to sum up so far, the start, like I say, to this season ahead of Man City, we've got to be pleased, haven't we, overall? I think so. There's, again, there's stats coming out everywhere. Stats out of the Blue Book, there's stats out of Rick, there's transfer <laughs> stats. It's fantastic. It's fantastic, sorry. And, you know, there's stats everywhere. And you can't argue with them at the end of the day. You don't remember the performances. You know, the performance is very subjective, and I, and I get that. You know, West Brom, right? Where everybody would say we were lucky. Lots of people will say, "Oh, West Brom had the better of it," but but we had more chances at goal. We had more chances on goal, and we scored more than they did. So at the end of the day, we won the football match, and we had more shots on target. We also at the post and, and whatever. So you just you just look at it, and I think it's an uncomfortable thing that we're all getting used to as Tottenham fans when we haven't got the ball or we're a bit under the cosh. We're just expecting us to concede. We're expecting us to lose because that's what we've been used to, and that that's that's understandable. And I am the same as well. I'm not like I said last week. I'm not going to sit here and say to you that I loved watching the West Brom game, but like I did say, watch it back in full after you know the result, and they troubled Hugo twice. Like that was it. So, you know, you have to put that sort of stuff into context. I think that we are pleased up until where we are. The next six, seven, eight fixtures. And uh, as, as one of our own, Jace always says uh, when, when he's on the show, you know, it's not just about the Man City game. It's also about how do you fit in Ludogorets between that and then you've got to go to Chelsea. You know, we've got to play, we've got to play City, Ludogorets and Chelsea within a week, basically, of each other. That, you know, that's tough. And I think that's where Jose... And Daniel Levy, where he was given credit earlier, um, uh, uh, you know, and bringing in these players has, has done us wonders because, you know, years gone by, we'd have been playing virtually the same team in, Euro- in the Europa League as we would have been playing on the Sunday. You know, and, you, and you've got to remember as well, years gone by, just remember this, listeners, every time we played a Thursday game, un- even under Poch, we had a horrific result on the Sunday. Right, every time we played a Thursday game, we had a bad result. It was either a draw where we should have won the game, or we lost because we didn't have any legs in us. And every time we've played a Thursday game, I'm going to jinx it now. No, I ain't because it's international breaks. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so every time we play a Thursday game at the moment, and this is going back to your um, uh, your key things, 
we've played we've played relatively well or yep. we've got some sort of result after it so you have to look at change in small increments this is elite level sport and it is fine margins as we talk about all of the time so we've got to celebrate the wins the little wins the fine margin wins if you don't you're always going to be doomed. You're always going to be doomed. You have to celebrate and, and be positive about the fine margin little gains that we're making. And we're making gains. 15 games played. We've lost two. We've drawn two. We've won the rest. We've scored 2.87 goals per game. We sit second in the Premier League. We've got a top goal scorer in the Premier League in Human Son. We've got, uh, uh, we've got the highest assist merchant. In the, in the Premier League in terms of Harry Kane. You know, we, we've got the, the the player that sits with us and uh, passes the ball around the most in the Premier League, which is Hoiberg that you, you guys just talked about. Yep. Best, well, did you say best joint defence in the Premier League? Who would have yeah. thought that at the beginning you of the season? You can't believe it, can you really? You can't, I still can't you, believe that stat. You cannot. And look, like I said before, let's be real. When you look at them fixtures and you go, oh my word, you know, we always tweet out from last world on Spurs how many points we're getting. We, we really, look, we'd love 18 points out of them next six fixtures, yep. but, but actually 12 will be very, very good. 12 will give us a two point uh, two points per game uh, return, yep. which is what we've, uh, which is what we've been used to and still title winning. And most importantly, they're six pointers. Yep. So, you know, we're, we're robbing points off of our teams uh, that are in and around us at the same time. So look, this next this run now, from now, I'm very, very excited. If you can't get excited now, then what's the point? I'm mega excited. This run from now until until Christmas is epic. Yep. And, I, and, I, and I've, I'm confident. I think we're going to do some some damage. I really do. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there looking ahead to Man City now. You know, Kane has been directly involved in 27 goals in his last 14 games for Spurs. 17 goals. 10 assists so far this season. He believes the club can finally win trophies. Hummin Son, Jay, with you as well here. You know, four goals, two assists. He's just collected himself the player of the month for October. He's apparently the happiest he's ever been and is enjoying working with Jose Mourinho ahead of what we understand to be a new contract very close. Now, ahead of the game against Manchester City at the weekend, we're very lucky to be joined by a whole host of Manchester City podcasters that very kindly collaborated with us to give us their thoughts, their opinions, and of course their predictions ahead of this game against Tottenham Hotspur at the weekend. Do not go anywhere. We are back after our final break of the show. So obviously a massive game against Spurs. We kind of need to win in it. Like Obviously, not at the best of starts. Tottenham are doing well. Um, we didn't beat Liverpool. And to be fair, I think that you know with the team that Liverpool put out, we probably should have uh, won the game. And we obviously had the penalty opportunity and we, we probably should have won it to be fair probably deserve to win it we didn't we only got a point and that's put a massive pressure now on this game against Spurs obviously it's away from home as well Um, I think it's a must win game really yeah I think after the draw against Liverpool it has become a must win for us because we need to get back on track with this season this season's derailing fast Um, we need to get back on track obviously Tottenham are seconds and they're slamming Mourinho's got them go up to the top of the table so it's massive for us. It is It is massive. There's so much pressure on this game and, and Tottenham look mint. So it's like the opposites, really. We're not looking so great. Tottenham are looking mint. And it's about, we now have to turn it up against them. Um, obviously, Kevin De Bruyne, people will be saying he's not been informed. You know, Tottenham fans might be thinking, buzzing, Kevin's not been informed. But even though he's not been informed, he has still been getting assists. So, yeah. you know, he's, he's that good. He's, he's one of them world-class players where even when they don't play to the best of their abilities, you know they still they still grab assists and our defense 
I'm going to say it. He's solid, guys. He's solid. Yeah, he's... I, ain't, I ain't scared of you. I ain't scared of Harry Kane. I ain't scared of no one, innit? So, nah, throw, throw you said it now. You said it, bro. You said <laughs> it. You jinxed nah. it. Now, these Tottenham fans are going to murk us after this because Harry Kane's going to go score a hat trick now, bro. They're going to clip that bit of you saying it's fixed. I ain't scared of no Harry Kane. That's it. We're done. Nah, nah they won't be saying that. They'll be saying, no, nah, no, nah, them guys on City Extra football geniuses. I'm telling you, City's defense is mint. We are mint. Um, hopefully we win. <laughs> the confidence just quickly erodes. Uh, on, um, on the score, what are you saying then? What was your prediction? Uh, probably be a tight game, to be honest. You know what I mean? Like I say, I do think that Jose is probably going to set him up very defensively. He'll be bu- buzzing with a point. Um, and I think maybe 2-1 um, City. I, I think they'll, there'll be very few goals in it. I was going to go the exact same. That's my thoughts. 2-1, very close game. Disgusting to watch. Uh, and a lot more pressure on it for us than it is Tottenham, I think. Mm, yeah yeah man thanks a lot for inviting us on your podcast best of luck but we actually need more luck so thank you very much bye bye even when the world was normal it was near impossible to predict a Pep Guardiola lineup. usually there would be the odd left field pick or three in there Phil Foden dropped after a man of the match performance only Edmares picked for seven consecutive games despite underwhelming but in the current climate it somehow becomes even tougher to predict what Pep will do this weekend and how he will approach the challenge posed by Spurs to be honest, his situation is little different to any other manager's, as seen by Jose Mourinho's sarcastic Instagram post this week. And whilst I'm not always in agreement with Jose, he is spot on on this occasion, no doubt about it. The international breaks are a shambles. I cannot begin to predict which City players will be fit and available come the weekend. Zinchenko is supposedly in quarantine, though he was an unlikely starter, unlike Doherty. Ryan Sterling withdrew from England duty with injury, but is thought to be in contention for the weekend. Sergio Aguero and Fernandinho are back in training after yet more injuries, but I doubt they will start against Spurs. It's not just who is not injured or free of Covid restrictions, however. It's predicting the team this season that is troublesome because many a team will be picked due to fitness levels above all else, and many of the City players have been spread across the globe over the past week or two. Many were doing quite well too. Ferran Torres scored a hat-trick against Germany, and even Ruben Diaz scored twice for Portugal. We had Mahrez scored a worldy two, though it was against Zimbabwe. They all count. But do these games. Another game in an empty stadium and it all feels so surreal, and perhaps a bit pointless. The media may try and big up the Pep-Jose rivalry, but they'll be fooling no one. We're all just waiting to step back into a ground, and until then, we'll pretend everything is normal. There was a feeling after the Liverpool game that City lost an opportunity to win the game in the second half, that Liverpool were there for the taking. But to me, both teams looked exhausted. I thought the same watching Spurs at West Brom a bit. It's hard to know what performance many teams are going to come up with right now. In no other season will Liverpool concede 7 at Villa or City ship 5 at home to Leicester. It really is survival of the fittest and those that are most proficient at winning penalties of course will prosper even more. And for City there are some potentially easier games ahead if you ignore the looming Manchester derby that makes this game perhaps one to avoid defeating. So whilst a draw would see City perhaps lose more ground at the top and perhaps even slip down the table, it would not be a disaster. There is plenty of time to make up lost ground. As both teams have only lost once this season, a draw is quite probable as an outcome for what should be a tight match and a match that surely will bring a few goals. And it's not disaster to draw either, considering it's really unlikely that anyone is going to get close to the sort of figures that have won the league in previous seasons, say 98 to 100 points. But it seems right now that City are treading water along with many other teams. Injuries will continue to pile up as shown by Nathan Ake injuring himself once more over the international break. 
it seems it's a case of just getting by much of the time in a season that may favour those that do not have European football. But for this game, I'm going to predict a high-scoring, entertaining draw with it ending 2-2 and honours even. Hi guys, it's David here from the Blue Moon Podcast just to help you preview City's trip to Spurs at the weekend, give you a City point of view. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, I think, I I don't know if I speak for a lot of City fans when I say this, but I, I really don't feel confident ahead of this game. Uh, purely from having seen the way that Spurs have started the season. Okay, some games have been a bit of a struggle, but, they, but they've got over the line and got the points necessary. Um, Kane and Son have been scoring goals for fun between them. Uh, they've been assisting each other throughout the season as well. They're, they're almost uh, kind of a, a must for anybody who's playing Fantasy League at the moment. And uh, City, historically, are not great defensively. Um, that said, that's flipped on its head this last few weeks. And certainly since the incoming uh, of uh, Ruben Diaz as a centre-back for City, they've looked a lot more secure and a lot more stable. Uh, he's formed a, a pretty good partnership with uh, Amrit Laporte so far. Um, and it's weirdly been City's defence so far this season that's been dragging them through. Uh, if you look at the teams that have scored more than City this season, I mean, Crystal Palace have, Manchester United have, uh, Brighton have. Uh, City have only got 10 goals in the Premier League. They've they've had this this thing where they, they I mean, they haven't scored more than one in any of the last, I think, five Premier League games now. Um, so if Spurs can keep City out or can keep things compact at one end, then it can be a, it could be a really, really tight game, this one, as much as everybody's expecting open, free-flowing, attacking football. If Mourinho decides to shut the game down, he could quite easily keep City at arm's length for long spells in this game. In terms of a, of a score prediction, again, I'm not particularly confident. I think City, I think City need to not lose more than, more than anything else. Um, but again, they've had a, a run of results this season where, I mean, you look at away at West Ham, away at Leeds. These are games where you would expect City, certainly a title-challenging City, to be able to go and win. Um, so are we at the stage of the season where they have to win? I don't know. Um, I'm going to go for 1-1. I don't know how optimistic or, uh, or, or downbeat that is. But best of luck with the game and catch you soon. The funny thing about Manchester City or this Manchester City side under Pep Guardiola is, if you're asking me for her prediction on you know the starting lineup and the formation over the last couple of years, I'd have said, look, there's no point. I've no idea. But if you asked me for a prediction, I'd have probably said, well, yes, City are going to win. I know it's not always been that way against Spurs, but I would always be confident that City were going to win, and that's pretty much no matter who they were playing against. But now it's kind of flipped on his head. I can probably give you um, eight or nine of the players who will actually play um, and an idea of you know how they'll actually go about it in terms of the formation. Um, but I've no idea what's going to happen in the game. I've no idea how they're going to play from week to week. No idea what the result will be, what the performance will be. It's very, very hard to tell at the moment. Um, if we go with the you know the, the the likely team, obviously with it being after the international break, you never quite know who's going to come back fit. But it's looking pretty settled at the moment. Obviously Edison in goal. And out of nowhere, three at the back four are pretty settled. You've got Carl Walker, obviously, at right back. Um, Ruben Diaz and Laporte at centre back. Left back, you're not quite so sure, but Jao Cancelo has been doing well there recently. And, you know, if pushed, I'd expect him to start there again. In midfield, Rodri and Gundogan is pretty safe bet. Obviously, Kevin De Bruyne. So there's your midfield three. And then up front, the right of the attack, not so sure. Mares didn't play at all against Liverpool, wasn't even on the bench, which is a bit of a weird one. Um, Ferran Torres scored the hat-trick in midweek so I'm, I'd guess Torres on the right although Guardiola doesn't generally put you know, right-footed players on the right but maybe we'll go with that 
And then Gabriel Jesus at centre-forward and Sterling on the left. So I think that's nine now, I'm pretty confident in. Um, yeah, probably going <laughs> to approach it 4-3-3, but you know, plenty of people forward, but probably end up inverted wingers and, you know, it could be quite stodgy and narrow football. I might look stupid now if City blitz Spurs with one of their old-style performances, but, yeah, that stodgy narrow football has been the order of the day, really, for a lot of this season, certainly, and quite a bit of last season. Um, and that, and that's that's kind of sums up where City are at the moment. You know, last year, they scored the most goals in the Premier League, they kept the most clean sheets... But they were second by quite some way. And, you know, when they weren't winning 4-0, 5-0 or even 8-0, you know, they they struggled to score and they couldn't keep the goals out. And actually, the two games against Spurs last season are really good examples of that. If you remember the game in August um, at the Etihad when it was 2-all, City should have won that game. And I think most people listening to this will probably agree with me there. Um, Spurs got quite lucky just in terms of, you know, the, the chances created um, and converted. But it did kind of highlight an issue that with City... It doesn't take too much to score against them. And, you know, they need a lot of chances to score. And I think we saw that again in February um, at the new ground where City, they played pretty well. They created good chances. They missed a penalty, had a man sent off stupidly, you know, part of their defensive issues, and then conceded two goals. And even after they conceded the first, it was like, they're never going to come back from this. So that's the kind of City we're getting used to seeing at the moment. Um, this year... Um, They've always, so last couple of years, they've always been top of creating chances, creating big chances. You know, they've always been top of those league tables and by quite a way. This year so far, they've had a game less and we're only early into the season. But they're, you know, fifth, sixth in the table. So they're not creating as much as they usually do. And then last season, the problem was the finishing. You know, they were missing a lot of big chances, Jesus and Sterling in particular. But, you know, it was also an issue through the team and all the missed penalties and that kind of stuff. And then... This season, their you know their finishing stats are even worse. So last year they were creating loads and they were scoring loads, but if they you know if they were more clinical, they'd have scored even more, and they may well have you know well certainly got closer to Liverpool or may even won the title. This year they're not creating too much and they're scoring even fewer of their chances. So it doesn't add up to brilliant things. Um, obviously, with a team managed by Guardiola and with so many good players, you're never going to rule out a good win and a good performance. But my issue at the moment is I just can't be certain. And I don't think City fans have been certain for about a year now of what they're going to get. And that's probably going to be the situation at going into the game at Spurs on Saturday. They've got a lot of good players. You'd think that putting them in any combination would be enough to get a result, but you're just not sure. The only thing I would say is the defence do seem better now. Like I said, three out of the back four, maybe even the whole back four, are pretty much guaranteed of their places now. That's not something they've always had. They do look a bit more solid, so that should help them. But what it's going to come down to, really, is if they can take their chances. Hello and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. Thank you ever so much for joining us. We had the privilege there of being joined by a whole host of Man City podcasters that very kindly gave us their thoughts, their opinions ahead of this huge game at the weekend. Now, one of the things that we have to talk about is how COVID-19 has really impacted football over the last couple of weeks. And of course, we know in general, it's impacted the wider population. And our thoughts, our prayers go to everybody out there that's suffering with the virus. We wish you all well. We hope you recover as soon as possible. We know Matt Doherty was one of the very first Spurs players this week to come down with COVID-19. At the moment, as things stand, as we record, he is the only Tottenham Hotspur player 
to have contracted the virus. We know there's been scares. Of course, we saw Matt Doherty hugging Gareth Bale, who was worried he was exposed to the virus. And Hummin Son, of course, who was a South Korean camp. There's now nine to ten cases where... In the South Korea camp, they've contracted COVID-19. Rural scary times. We know Tottenham put on a private jet to get Hummin Son back in time for Tottenham Hotspur's game at the weekend. I think it's worth pointing out that all Tottenham Hotspur players will go through rigorous Premier League testing once again as part of the protocol. So we'll get a clearer indication from Jose Mourinho of where we stand on Friday as to the fitness of these players, the status ahead of this huge game to come against Manchester City. And my God, it is a huge, huge game for Tottenham Hotspur. You know, we do expect Sergio Aguero, Fernandinho and Benjamin Mendy to all be available ahead of this game. Now, we will see and hear some more news from Jose Mourinho ahead of this game. Joe, we've got a couple of Man City podcasters that have very kindly given us their prediction there. What do you see ahead of the game? What are you going to go for? Yeah, look, I I just remember back to the Manchester United game and it kind of, the amount, when they came out and they gave us a lot more room in behind and I think that that's something that will definitely benefit us. I think, you know, against the likes of West Brom, against the likes of Burnley, we did struggle and that has been kind of a struggle for Spurs. But when we placed a side like Leicester, when we beat them 3-0 last year, when we had lots of space, that's kind of when we really benefited from it. But um yeah, look, I, I do think that um, I'm definitely expecting kind of a Spurs win. I do think we can go there. Um, we can go and attack them. I'm going to go 3-1 for Spurs. I, I'm definitely confident for this. I think if you look at the quality we've got, I mean, I, th I thought it was a fantastic thing. Um, you see that Harry Kane got the winner against uh, West Brom. You saw that Sun got the win against Burnley. And then you saw Bale got the winner against Brighton. So it just shows you the amount of quality that we've got on the pitch now. And, and kind of that's the difference in those games. You know, we've got so much quality on the pitch. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that Man City game. And I, I, I am confident for it. Listen, look at the excitement there in Jamie's voice. Lee, coming around to you, what a time to be on this Love train. It. So many Love big, it. big games to come, as you've mentioned. But very quickly, we know Hummin Son um, has been involved, obviously, for South Korea. He's been self-isolating after many, many of the players and staff over in South Korea actually came down with COVID-19. So we hope, like I say, he'll be ready for this game. Of course, Steven Bergwijn also pulled out of the Netherlands squad, or should I say was asked to basically return to Hotspur away, deemed not to be fit enough. Lee, ahead of this game, what are we thinking? What, what in your mind, what do you see happening? I think, I think it won't be that too dissimilar to the one after Project Restart, if I'm honest. I don't see us, I don't see Jose going there, uh, um, uh, setting up against Man City at home and going, right, just go and score more goals. I just don't think that's Jose's way. I do agree with Jamie, though. I do think there will be spacing behind because, you know, look, their defence hasn't been fantastic this year. I think Cole Walker's had a brilliant season for them. I still miss him, by the way, my number two. Um, but uh, I think he's doing he's doing really well for them this season. Uh, you know, uh, Ruben has uh, settled in okay um, uh, over there, hasn't he, in, in terms of uh, in the centre-back. But they're still, they're not completely uh, settled. Mendy coming back might be something for them, but he's in and out of the team as well. So I think there's there's goals for us. I think we're potent. That front three is ridiculous. And when it clicks and it already... In fact, let me eradicate that because Jamie just said, you know, all three of them have got scored the winners and they have. So it is starting to click. No doubt about it. I'm actually going to go for a, 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 a quite a tactical prediction. And my prediction is 4-2 Tottenham. And the reason why is I think this game will go will be 2-2. 
I think it would be a bit of a, you know, it'd go to 2-2. And instead of finishing at 2-2, I think that they'll be pressing, they'll be pressing, they'll leave a load of space and we're going to nick a couple of goals. And it'd be one of them games where it'd go 3-2 and then we'd be being pummeled at our end of the goal and we'd be thinking, oh my God, they're going to get an equaliser. But then something, Kane would get the ball, ping it to, to a son or a bail and, and we go, we're going level them at the other end. And like, like Bale should have done against West Ham, no offence to him, but that would have buried that game. I think this time it'll happen and I think we'll win 4-2. Paul, huge game to come this weekend. Massive yeah. game to come. We've just had the international break. Like I said, at the moment, player-wise, we'll know where we are once Jose Mourinho holds his pre-match press conference. But what's your thoughts going into this Man City game? Because they haven't oh. started the greatest and, you know, we are flying at the moment. Mourinho, <laughs> Guardiola, what's to come? What are you going for? Oh, you know what? Even just you saying that in the intro, my stomach starts to turn. And and the old excitement's there. You know, I love it when the fire's there and you think, come on. I, I can't see anything apart from us winning this damn game. I've got to tell you, I can't see anything else. Um you know, I've, Man City hate playing us. There was a little time, it was only a short little space where they started winning against us. They must hate coming to Spurs. For goodness sake, look at last year. Yeah, they, they probably should have won, but we did them over then. And we will beat them. We will absolutely beat them. I'm 100% convinced by this. What are you going for, Paul? Prediction? 7 nil. <laughs> No, I'm going for... And that's why you, that's why you don't come back here for another yes, six months. Oh, you've got to give us that prediction. Yeah. <laughs> I, love I think it. We're, we're going to score three. I don't know how many they're going to get, but we will score three goals against them. Okay. So I reckon it's going to be... I reckon they may get one dodgy penalty, 3-1. And the final question I've got to ask you, Paul, before you go is yep. which trophy are we winning first? Is it the Carabao? Is it the FA Cup? What, what, what's, the, what's the first one to come? I'm not doing that. I can't do it. <laughs> I won't. Because I'm bad enough making predictions. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into that. Um, so, no, I can't. I can't. Okay. It's going to be something. It's going to be shiny. Can, we're going to be can I ask excited. you one more thing before not we the go? Audi. It ain't the Audi. We're going to renew the Audi Cup. We'll take that. But the rest of there is going to be more to come. I promise you. Let me ask you one thing, just for the fans absolutely adore you out there and love you and can't wait to see you back in that stadium along with us. Yeah, oh, bless you. Any chance of the jam and the scones, Paul? Is there any chance of both? Yeah, yeah. There's jam, there's scones, there's cream on the top as well, mate. You've got the whole lot. And they're warm and they're tasty and they're soft and they're crispy on the outside. And my God, when it hits the stomach, you are going to feel so happy and satisfied and enjoy every moment of it. So, yes, the scones are coming. There you go. The wonderful Paul Coit on the last <laughs> word on Spurs. What a man. Great to have him on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. A massive thanks to Lee McQueen. Mate, the crazy train keeps rolling. It's going to end the party bus at some stage. <laughs> I, I do, you know, I do think that there's something bubbling under. And look, let's get excited. Let's not be worried, listeners. Right? If we get it wrong, it doesn't matter. No, you know, no, no one's going to, um, you know, we're not going to be put in prison for getting it wrong. You know, if we get it wrong, oh well, we got it wrong. We've we've been used to not getting it right for a long, long time in terms of on the pitch and winning stuff. Let's just start believing yep. and start realizing that this is the time to be excited. Yep. We've got thing in front of us. Get happy about Tottenham Hotspur. If we get back in that stadium, I think that's really going to help us as well. And uh, I don't care about getting sued by Chris Callan because I'm I'm crediting him now. Credit to you, Chris Callan. Trophies are coming. To Jamie from the Daily Hotspur and the wonderful Paul Coit taking us through this last hour and a bit, giving you our thoughts ahead of the game at the weekend. Listen, guys, stay safe, stay well, and as always, come on, you Spurs! We are in the game. We are giving them a good fight. The result is there to go to one side or to another side, but try to understand what I want to say. I think 
when you save the penalty, they try to put huge pressure for another penalty to be, to be given. This is the difference between a team of and a team of good guys. But the story of football is that the teams of good guys, they never win. So fucking hell, be a And the way the game is going, they know Toby has a yellow card. I promise you, they know. I promise you. And I have to say that Kyle Walker has a yellow card, Zinchenko has a yellow card, Sterling has a yellow card. So be a don't be a good guy. And now, how do we score a goal? Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.